Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. James Andrew Miller has a brand new book. It is called Tinderbox, HBO's Ruthless Pursuit of New Frontiers. It's another, I say another because he's really carved out a niche for himself. It's an oral history, much as he has done for SNL, for ESPN, and for CAA, Creative Artists Agency. Jim, it's so great to have you back on the program. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me back, Michael. So this really is uh, like a franchise that you've got going, right? This idea of I am going to pursue an oral history of some big entity or some major project did it begin fortuitously? I mean, tell me how you, you latched on to this. Well, I'm not so sure there was a strategic plan in place, but I do think that there's something that's been incredibly exciting about taking deep dives into these powerful brands. And it turns out all four of them started in the 1970s. All four of them were incredibly uh, humble in their origins, and there were very few expectations. In, in fact, in each of these cases, I mean, 10 minutes before the first show of SNL, Chevy Chase is asking someone, 
what do you think I should do next? Because everybody thought that was going to fail. People at ESPN were running on Tuesdays to the bank to cash their checks because they didn't think there was going to be enough money, you know, to, <laughs> to, to, to literally keep this thing going. CA was a bunch of bridge tables. And in the case of HBO, one of the things that Jerry Levin and others who were there at the very beginning, Chuck Dolan, who's now 93, um, told me was that this was a precarious, precarious infancy. In fact, Time Inc., HBO's partner, almost put the hit the delete key on it several times. So I like the idea that, you know, there's this kind of shoots and ladders aspect to it. Well, it's interesting that you reference that because one of my favorite uh, anecdotes in the book, and there's a laundry list that I've assembled, I won't be able to get to a fraction of them. Correct me if I'm wrong, the Poseidon adventure saved HBO at an early stage. Absolutely. Well, you know, early on in HBO's history, part of its value proposition to viewers was, listen, we can do something that nobody else can do. We're going to show you movies and we're going to they're not going to be cut. They're not going to be censored by network censors. And also there won't be commercials. And so that's part of what that and actually boxing were the two big engines that got them started early on. And the Poseidon Adventure turned out to be this huge hit there was also something they were giving away free turkeys at the beginning if you subscribe to hbo and it turns out like that the free turkeys and the poseidon adventure were big big important elements of their success early on jim i uh my folks are from the coal regions of pennsylvania they're from the hazelton area but I have a distinct recollection in the 1970s, and, and, and you give the whole history in the book of how HBO was started, including the rollout for, what was it, like 300 people in Wilkes-Barre in 1972? And yeah, I, have a distinct, I have a distinct recollection of my Uncle Jim in Hazleton uh, having, you know, quote-unquote, home box, except I think that his was a knockoff. Because once it was launched in Wilkes-Barre, everybody up there wanted to have it, some who were paying and some who were not. Right. Well, there was always that little <laughs> – some people were able to finesse getting HBO right. without actually paying for it. And that was something that HBO had to struggle with and figure out how to, how to combat uh, – you know, pretty early on in its existence. But it was amazing that the word of mouth – I mean, first of all, it gave you cable, gave you better reception. So there were a lot of rural areas and particularly even in like New York City where it first started uh, when they first started wiring it, where you, you know, you couldn't get exposure. And so cable really gave you better reception. George Carlin's seven words were uttered on HBO, right? Well, see, this is part of what HBO does early on, Michael. And it's so smart because they make a decision that we're not going to try and mimic what the networks are doing. In fact, we're going to do the opposite. So what can we do? Well, because we don't have network sensors, we're going to say things that you can't say on TV. We're going to show things that you can't show on TV. We're going to show violence. And George Carlin takes it to the limit. He literally does the sketch, seven words you can't say on television. On television. What could be better for HBO than having everybody know that this is now the wild, wild west? I have so many memories of the the, the boxing uh, events on HBO, and one of the one of the anecdotes that I enjoyed is Larry Merchant. Actually, Jim, we should tell people the way you approach your craft. This is one giant conversation 
with all of the business execs, all of the people who played a critical role in the founding, all of the A-list celebrities. It's, it's as if you've got them in this giant conference room and each is taking a turn speaking and reassembling the story of HBO. I mean, that's the approach. How you go about this and keep it all straight, I have no idea. Say a word about your process and then I'll, I'll tell you the story I wanted to raise. Well, it's a disturbing process. No, I'm just kidding. I do have a little bit of an OCD because I like hearing from key individuals. I like listening to people much like yourself. I mean, you, you know, the, the, my job is to create a narrative structure around it all, Michael. I have, you know, I, there is the corporate tale. There's the, corp, there's the tale of the development of HBO movies, of HBO series, of the documentary unit, HBO sports, and of course, the big saga of HBO itself having the parent company that gets taken merged then taken over by AOL, then Time Warner, then AT&T comes in. So I have to get all those disparate elements somehow together in one narrative. And I think that, you know, what I try and do is I try and make sure that, you know, the, the key moments, those key inflection points or the best stories are there. And it was great to talk to Larry Merchant, as you were just referring to. I mean, boxing yeah. was huge early on. Well, I, I'll never forget. I will never forget when James Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson. And one of the anecdotes in the book is Larry Merchant telling you what it was like to be in the ring to interview James Buster Douglas and 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 Buster Douglas having to need to just step away. He had lost his mother recently. I'm sure many will remember that. And, and Larry just allowed him to collect himself. But that's the richness of what you do. You know, people who love The Sopranos, they're going to love hearing about David Chase going out to the Beverly Hills Hotel to sit down with Italian-American leaders who have a beef who haven't even seen it yet. Or, yeah, you know, that didn't Jeff, turn out well. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Bukas, here's another one that I loved. I could rattle off 20 of these for you just sitting here. But Jeff Bukas, you know, in a conversation about whether – uh, the Larry Sanders show. Oh, my God, did I love the Larry Sanders show. Is it too Jewish? You know, are right. they going to watch? Are they going to watch it in the Midwest? By the way, that's a conversation you could have had about Curb or even about Seinfeld, even though Seinfeld is not an HBO property. Well, I think that, you know, all these things that come up, we realize over the 49 year history of HBO, there were some really big, not only television landmarks, but they became cultural landmarks. I mean, I think that it's fair to say that The Sopranos transcended just normal television show. It had a huge impact on how storytelling was conducted, you know, and how and the impact that it had on the culture and cultural references that emanated from it. So I, I think it's, it's kind of like amazing to, to, to get access to these people and to sit there and listen to the impact. And by the way, the thing about HBO, Michael, is that people didn't just date this place. They married it. They were there for like 15, 20, 25, 30 years. They had, I had more than a dozen people cry during interviews because it was so impactful for them when they left. Or that first time that they, the first time that Sex in the City was on the air and nobody believed in it. And then all of a sudden it became this gigantic hit. You know, and I mean, the stories from Game of Thrones, they're shooting on four in four different countries. They're spending more money than they ever have on any other series. What's that like? And what, what happens when all of a sudden there's an incredible, blizzard and it, it it just decimates the entire set the entire town they have hundreds of extras there i mean you know it, it kind of goes on and on and on and what i try and do is show you know we know what we saw on sunday nights right 
but we don't know what happened beforehand and what was going on behind the scenes. And so that's really the kind of like purpose of these books is to is to not only develop a history of a book of record about the history of this place, but also to share. I mean, Julia Louis Dreyfus was incredible. Larry David was amazing. You know, the stories people told about Jim Gandolfini. Uh, you know, I could listen to that all day, and that's. That's not me. Oh, me too. Uh, Jim, Jim, I am. I, I, this would be like choosing among my children if, if I were to have to pick my favorite. But I am I am like a, a curb uh, real devotee. Love Larry David. Love everything about curb. You interview Ted Danson. And, and, and I should point out one of the things that you discuss in the book is it was never intended to be a series. It was going to be a special. And right. and then you talk about like some of the magic and the genius of curb. And Ted Danson says, Curb comes along as a lark, like doing summer theater or even less important than that. And I found that my sense of fun and my delight in acting got rejuvenated. I I just loved hearing all the behind the scenes from the people who made it happen. Anything in particular that that strikes you about Curb and what you learned? Well, you know, Susie Essman, who is just a, I mean, a gift from above. The bomb. You know, she says, she says to me, she gets stopped in supermarkets for, uh, you know, for pe- people, women come up to her and say, can I FaceTime my husband? Because I'd love for you to call him a fat fuck. Excuse my language. <laughs> um, and she says, Jim, that's what my life has become. I mean, you know, and when, when Larry showed the pilot, so to speak, for uh, Curb to Ted and his wife, Mary Steenberg. And it was a bunch of people up in Martha's Vineyard. They're all looking like, hey, Larry, okay. Right, well, falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, you know, we want to be supportive. And here it is. It's more than 20 years later. And again, we come back to, you know, what does HBO do? It says to Larry David, we're going to be the opposite of a network. We're never going to give you notes. And you can come and go as you please. Michael, the guy disappeared for seven years. Then all of a sudden, one day, you know, HBO <laughs> here from like, I think I think I want to come back. I want to do some more seasons. You never know. By the way, they never know if it's going to be his last season. They never know if he's going to come back. They can go. I mean, you can't do that in network. And so that kind of flexibility is, you know, really, really amazing. I mean, Larry Sanders, I mean, Gary Shanley once turned in a show that was only 20 minutes long because he thought the rest of it sucked. Right. And so he just turned it on. Then he disappeared for a year there. I mean, I think that one of the things that HBO does really well is it creates this world of freedom where actors and creators can come and do things that they can't do anyplace else. Hey, I have to say just a, a little hometown homage that uh, on page nine. 171. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a book that's like a thousand pages long. But I love I love I loved Kate Winslet's conversation with you about trying to get right the Delco, Pennsylvania inflection of one's voice or or accent. Final question for for Jim. And the book is tremendous. And I could I, I just really enjoyed it because I can pick it up and put it down and come back to it and obviously don't have to, to do it in in just a couple of sittings. Um, I guess it de- it's determined by the measuring stick. But what would these HBO folks say was the greatest property, the biggest success? Is it Game of Thrones? Is it Sopranos? Is it Curb? What is it? I, you know, I, I ask those people those questions and they look at me like, you know, I'm on crack because right. for them, it's so hard to, to choose. It's like choosing amongst your children. I think that part of it is that if you chances are, if I'm sitting there with somebody from H, at HBO and they've worked 
there for a couple of years, so they're only in their late twenties or in their early thirties, they're going to say Game of Thrones, or they might right. even say Succession, because Succession has become this unbelievable yeah. yes, force. Yes, agree. By the way, one one second about Succession, Michael. What network would put on a show where there is no character that you like? There is no. That's not that true. That is not in. true. That okay, is not true. Is Come on, bring uh, it Maca- on. Ma- Macaulay Culkin's brother, Roman. Okay. He's my guy. He's my guy. Okay. Yeah. I think we have to go to Vienna. We have to go to Vienna and sit down, lie you down on a couch and figure out why that's the case. But my only point is they're they're not heroic, right? They're not aspirational characters. And the other thing they did with succession was they said, we don't need a big star. We don't need to like have Jennifer Aniston playing Shiv or something. Let's just, these are all talented actors. Let's just go for it. So anyway, sorry for that digression, but I think look, Sopranos is on the Mount Rushmore of yeah. of television. There's no doubt about it. I, I think that, you know, there are people that still think about uh, Oz or Six Feet Under and all these other, this, The Wire is arguably, you know, one sure. of the top shows ever made on television. So you have this incredible, incredible inventory to choose from. Congratulations. It's called Tinderbox. I really appreciate your being back and I hope I see you soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.